Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Alt Reports Radio, where I'm really happy to be on here with Andy Krebar of Honeybricks. And we're going to get into something that I'm pretty excited about. And I'm going to let Andy tell you about it. But we're talking about um, sort of a marriage of two, two kinds of assets out there. And um, Andy, thanks for being on here. We're talking about tokenized real estate today. And uh, this is something I've been looking at for the last, I don't know, year and a half or more. And I've been following along with a, a few different companies that are in this space. It's really sort of nascent. Um, I doubt that anybody who's listening to this knows very much about it. I know even having dug into it a bit and a few of the different companies out there that are, that are making a pass at, at this, uh, I still don't have a full grasp on the whole thing. So I'm looking forward to, to digging into this uh, with you a little bit, but maybe first you could tell us a little bit about like how you came to Honeybricks and what you did, like what led up to this point. For sure. Well, thanks for having me on Breck and very excited to talk to you today. So I'm Andy Krieber. I'm one of the co-founders of Honeybricks. Um, what we do before I get into backstory is we provide uh, a two-sided marketplace. So for investors, we provide access to high quality commercial uh, real estate, which has been tokenized on the blockchain. And for sponsors or GPs, we provide a new way to raise and manage capital on the blockchain. As far as my background, so I'm Australian. I moved to San Francisco in 2015 and have been in the US ever since. And my journey started, well, actually started in investment banking before that in Australia. So I did banking for five years and got my, uh, got chewed out as an investment banking analyst does and an associate and those sorts of things and learn all things about finance. A lot of time spreadsheets and PowerPoints. I really knew that my future was in technology, and that's where I wanted to go. So in 2015, moved to the States, started in a, another technology company, a, fin, a fintech marketplace. I was there for a few years, and then launched my own company called uh, Sapling with a co-founder of mine. And that was a, a B2B uh, technology company. We sold uh, HR, people operations software, to growing technology companies. And we built that for about five years, had a ton of fun, a ton of learnings, a ton of experience. We ended up selling that business in 2020 um, to a, a PE firm based out of the UK. And me and my co-founder, um, now co-founder, Ramesh, we worked at that company for a year and made sure that that company landed well and, and kept thriving and growing as part of that new structure. And over that uh, the subsequent year where we did our burnout, we're thinking, about, you know, what's next? And we both had passions around real estate. You know, I've been investing in real estate since... 2012, my dad was an architect and always got me got my hands dirty and what could we do at this place? How could we improve it? How could rents grow up? Those sorts of things. And Remeshals had a similar background in real estate as well. And then we saw this really disruptive technology of blockchain. And I've been dabbling in, in crypto since 2016 and 2017, uh, you know, buying Bitcoin, buying Ethereum, going down the rabbit hole of looking into altcoins, all of these coming back up to Bitcoin and Ethereum. <laughs> Um, but really the underlying technology of blockchain, which was incredibly powerful. And as, a, as an expat in the US, um, I saw that the power of blockchain to deal with international payments was huge. Um, I remember when I bought my first house in, in the US, I had to transfer like 100K over from Australia. And I was like, yeah, we're going to close on time. We'll get it across. Got picked up by AML, got paused for three weeks. They're like, sorry, we can't let this money come in. I was like, oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, then, you know, transferring $20,000 of USDC, you know, across the world in a second. So that was really yep. got me excited about, wow, this technology is powerful. 
USDC, if you're listening to this and you're not initiated, USDC is a stable coin that's basically, it it, uh, it seeks to be equivalent to a dollar all the time. So it's probably the most popular. Exactly. And it's a very trusted stable coin. There's a number of them out there. Um, that's what USDC is. And ultimately, it was how to bring that power of blockchain technology into real estate, which is something we're both very passionate about. So we got started on Honeybricks earlier this year in 2022. Oh, you just got started this year. Yeah, it was uh, uh, February 2022. Wow, that's fantastic. So tell me a little bit about, you mentioned there's uh, GPs and then there's also, so like help me help me understand the structure of, of the business. You're a funding platform. You're not doing the selection on the individual assets. Someone else is bringing them or what, how does that, how does that all work? Yeah, so on the, we talk about the, um, the real estate or the sponsor side or supply side of the business. Yeah. And what we do is uh, we work with leading or emerging sponsors around the US, and they're typically the ones that are finding the asset, diligent in the asset, um, and generally they're syndicating it out, which means that they're raising capital from high net worths or family offices or whatever it may be. And then we're getting involved at that stage. Now, we've selected a handful of markets we want to work in, and then a handful of sponsors we want to work with. And then once we've found you know, the right sponsor, the right market, the right asset, We'll work with them around how can Honeybricks be a piece of that. Um, if we're really comfortable with it, then we'll seek to either tokenize a piece of it or you know, ultimately um, all of it. And that's actually what we put on the blockchain. Okay. So less than 1% of the assets we'll look at actually make it uh, into our marketplace today. So we're very, uh, very strict criteria on what we're looking for. So unfortunately, not everything's a fit and we rarely get uh, hit up by different Brokers or sponsors looking to list something in which, you know, might be in the future, but not quite today. So we're really high focus on that. And that's ultimately what gets tokenized and what gets distributed out to investors. Okay. So is it all equity investments? Help me understand the, the structure of the thing. It's not debt. They're not, uh, you're not raising debt. You're raising equity for, for sponsors. Is that right? That's right. We're raising equity today. Um, okay. We are speaking to a number of sponsors around debt and also, um, also recaps, because historically we've just done acquisitions. But the way that would look is, let's say there's a $20 million asset someone's purchasing or someone owns. It might be $10 million of agency debt on it, call it $10 million of equity. We'll take a piece of that equity and, and tokenize that. Now, that could be you know, a small minority interest. It could be the entire LP stack. But it's really that piece of it which is getting tokenized. And the benefit of being tokenized is really around, around three things, access, efficiency, and transparency. Um, but one of the huge uh, obstacles that many investors face in traditional syndications is once you're in, you know, you're, you're in. Right. You should be locked up to the, the deal, whether it's three, five, seven, ten years. And to actually do a transfer and a syndicated investment, it's a nightmare. You need, you need trust, you need uh, yeah. custody, you need payments, you need lawyers, you need all that sort of stuff. But the beauty of, of a blockchain and smart contracts in the blockchain is you actually code all this stuff in the smart contract. Mm. So everyone can see, well, I've got this token contract and I've got... Uh, you know, this logic and how it works and who can buy and who's eligible. And if everyone agrees on that structure, then you can introduce a whole new layer of liquidity into those syndicated investments. Hmm. So what size piece of a deal is typical for the tokenization portion? What, like, what are you coming in uh, at a deal? What are you coming into? Is it yeah. 50%? It, it, varies, it varies quite a bit. Okay. And the reason it varies is a number of things, but you know, what the sponsor looking for? Do they want to tokenize the entire piece? Uh, do they just want to you know, recap a piece of it, whatever it may be. 
Um, but also what's our investor appetite for it at Honeybricks? Because um, our investors, not our investors, but the investors on the platform uh, look at our marketplace and generally they're interested in certain types of things and maybe not others. So ultimately we need to make sure that uh, we can connect that sponsor with the right amount of investors to actually make it attractive to them. So it could be half a million dollars, it could be $5 million, it really depends on what the sponsor is looking for. Okay. Yeah, so I know in traditional real estate, you know, if you come in as like a JV or something, then you're, it's very hard to, to get out of that. I mean, lockups tend to be pretty long in real estate. I'm in a number of uh, like direct REITs, like non-traded REITs and all of those are you're supposed to be in for, you know, for a substantial amount of time. Um, so Honeybricks is solving the problem of of that, of the lockup, is that uh, where you can move into and out of your position more easily? Is that the main goal? I think that's the main value problem focused on. There's a number of benefits that come with you know, leveraging this new technology on real estate, but that seems yeah. to be the real pain point we want to solve for first. Okay. So is this an income investment? Are folks generally uh, buying the tokens in order to receive like a monthly or quarterly distribution or tell me a little bit about what the structure of these deals tends yeah. to look like, or is it a future appreciation bet? It really depends on what the investor is looking for and also what strategy the sponsor is pursuing. So it could be you know, a core or core plus, it's just buy and hold and let the market take care of rent growth, or it could be uh, a value add investment where they're renovating a number of things and driving rent growth higher. Okay. Historically, we've focused on value-added investments. Generally, that's where you can achieve higher IRRs because you're not just yeah. relying on the market for rent growth. You're actually improving the asset. Sure. So that's where we focus, and that majority of the investments listed in the marketplace are on that today. We are also looking at you know, development opportunities, looking at debt pieces, um, all sorts of things, but it's ultimately dependent on what are investors looking for because that's the demand that we want to help support. Right. So what kind of sponsors are you seeing? Like who's coming to you at this stage um, with with deals for the marketplace? So it works two ways. So one where we're going out and speaking to brokers and you know, when an asset's trading or an asset's traded, we want to find out who purchased it. Um, generally, if it's a institution like uh, BlackRock, then it's like, mm, they might not be interested. But if it's a emerging sponsor that's got a handful of investments and they're growing their investor base and they're you know, syndicating out investment, that might be a good fit for us. Um, and obviously, I have to overlay market, track record, deal terms, all that sort of stuff. Um, so that would be the you know the outbound of us actually finding you know the right asset, right sponsor, right market, those sort of things. Then there's also the inbound, which is you know, at honeybricks.com, sponsors can learn about tokenization and the value we offer. And if it's a fit for their investor base and what they're seeking to do, or they're looking for new capital, um, that's when they can sort of submit a, a demo request and we can walk them through the platform and take them through what we could what we could offer them. Okay. So your team isn't doing underwriting on these assets. You're is that right? Or are you are you going through that process or is it more a matter of your uh, functioning just as a uh, sort of as a, a, a the middle for for the the the, la the platform layer the tokenization layer for the sponsors and the investors. Yeah, it's definitely the latter, and it's something we we discussed early on. We need to discuss it today, which is um, we don't want to be the, the Craigslist of tokenized real estate. 
Um, okay. That's not what we want to offer. Yeah. So we have, you know, have our own real estate team. We underwrite every asset ourselves. We go through all the models, all the DD, you know, do all the legal fees, spin up lawyers, make sure everything sort of checks out. Okay. And if it does, ultimately, then it uh, can go to, to the marketplace. What okay. that looks like is yeah, all the things you'd expect from traditional underwriting. Okay. So that from change in future, so I should say that may change involved in future. Sure. Today we're very focused on you know, high quality investments for you know, those early adopters of tokenized real estate. Okay. So the structure of that then is each, you know, one of the challenges that I've found as I've looked at the tokenization is the bridging into the real world, right? I mean, you need to, there's a, a matter of like a legal structure, right? And I think Wyoming is the, they've got like this Dow LLC, uh, which is a, a um, autonomous organization, LLC over there. But there's, there's, how are you doing that? Is it a special purpose uh, vehicle? Is it a, a um, what is, what's, what's the, tell me a little bit about that structure. Like how, so what, is, what is the actual entity? Yeah. So it is a SPV. We, we use Delaware okay. multi-member LLCs. Okay. And the structure looks like there'll be you know, a real estate asset and ultimately the underlying product is real estate. That's where it needs to start. Then there'll be the JV entity or the entity that's actually holding the asset. And in that asset, sorry, in that entity, there'll be you know, GP, there'll be other LPs and there'll be the Honeybricks entity for now. So Honeybricks entity is a Delaware LLC, multi-member LLC. And that's actually where uh, all the owners are. And what's actually the ownership piece and what actually are the tokens is the membership interest of that multi-member LLC. That's okay. actually what's tied to the, uh, the blockchain or the tokens in the blockchain. Now, what that means is it's the investors that own the asset. It's not Honeybricks. And to make that structure work, we have a managing member, which is a Honeybricks entity, which sits off to the side. That basically is responsible for that SPV. So ensuring you know, all the investors are eligible, K1s go out, reporting taxes, um, all that sort of stuff. And the beauty of that model, and it's somewhat of become the standard in tokenized real estate investing, is if anything would ever happen to Honeybricks, um, the managing member would go away, but that LLC lives on. And those members could simply elect a new managing member, like a, a CPA or a lawyer, whoever it may be. And that real estate investment is still tied to that asset. And there's no impact of Honeybricks um, not being there. Okay. The second key benefit, the main benefit is just the, the pass-through structure of that entity. So depreciation and all the other benefits that go through the LLC all get passed directly down to token holders. Okay. So is there... So just by virtue of holding the token in your wallet, you become a member of the of the entity, or how does that how does that work? Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. The, the you think about the, the tokens are just membership interest. That's actually what's happening. Um, but instead of trying to figure out how to buy membership interest to to trade or sell to, uh, membership interest, it's all just done with the tools available in. And decentralized finance really work in the blockchain world. Okay. So if somebody wants to onboard with this, if you're if you're thinking about investing in this just from a technical perspective, what's required there? And you did mention accredited. So should we say is this is Honeybricks only for accredited investors right now? We're serving two audiences at the moment. One is US accredited investors, and that's obviously due to um Compliance and regulatory reasons. You know, we'd love yeah. to be serving everybody in the US. It's just not available in the current 
framework we use. And the second audience is around international investors, um, which is a different offering type. It's not Reg D, it's called Reg S. And um, that ultimately gives access to international investors. And the beauty of that is international investors in Reg S securities don't need to be accredited. They could be of any wealth level. So it's just a KYC and eligibility checks that need to occur. And then they're okay to invest in, in these securities. Okay. Is there a limit to the number of members that you can have in these? Or how, how are you managing that? There is a limit and it's varied by uh, different regulations and different things we're doing. Uh, but we're, we're well below that. So it hasn't been an issue of an be for some time. Okay. So uh, what are, talk a little bit about the technical requirements for an investor, because I think a lot of folks look at blockchain. They're just like, don't even know where, you know, where to begin with that. Probably, you know, a lot of folks who are listening to this don't have a Web3 wallet. And um, and so let's just talk about sort of like what chain are you on? How, did, how, does, all, how does all the tokenization part of this work? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, everyone needs to learn this stuff. No one comes out of the, the womb knowing about Web3 and blockchain. So uh, anyone in that world has sort of learned it over time. So it's definitely not a, not a unique education skill set. Um, but the way it works is... Actually, let me answer your first question first. Eligibility. Um, we started with early adopters that you know would bring their own wallet. So things like you know MetaMask, things like um, Taser, a number of different wallet types. Um, we recently just released a, a walletless experience, so anyone can come to Honeybricks, um, invest in tokenized real estate, and we basically spin up a wallet behind the scenes, which they can access and take custody of the tokens if they want to in future. So the technical requirements are just to log in um, to, to get started. Um, there's other requirements and eligibility because these are securities. Um, but when we take, speak about just purely technical requirements, if you understand real estate, you can invest with Honeybricks. Yeah. So kind of like Coinbase, you there's no, you don't have to do any of the more technical MetaMask or wallets or any of that. It's full, it's full custody you have there, or you will, you'll uh, you will maintain custody uh, for somebody if they're not set up for it. Yeah, that's, uh, well, it's either way, but uh, yeah. us providing custody of the solution, us providing the wallet that has the custody, and these are individual wallets um, of the, the investors, we can provide that, but also if investors want to take custody of their tokens in their own wallet, which, which needs to be whitelisted with us, um, they can do that. Okay. Yeah. So, jumping to um, your second question around, yeah. I was going to say, jumping to your second question around um, blockchain and those sorts of things, how it works. Um, there's really, well, the same way of thinking about it is there's this concept called layer one blockchains, which Ethereum mm -hmm. is the main one. Now, Ethereum is different to Bitcoin. Bitcoin's you know, digital gold is a good analogy. Um, but, but Ethereum is more like uh, a giant Excel spreadsheet about working across. And you can link different cells and have different formulas and those sorts of things. Um, and Ethereum is sort of the, the, the gold standard of L1s. Now, because everyone's using L1s, uh, they can be quite expensive and can be slow and all these sorts of things, which they are working on. But there's a number of L2 solutions, which instead of providing you know, that giant spreadsheet, they might just provide a snapshot of that spreadsheet every, know, let's say a minute or something like that, or certain pieces of it. So it moves a lot faster. So um, if somebody's never heard the terms L1 and L2 here, right? You mentioned L1s are Ethereum and L2 would be a second Layer and what's that? What's that mean? It, it borrows some function from Ethereum, or just help, help us understand 
for the uninitiated what the L2 is? Um, probably the way I'd explain it. So let's come back to the spreadsheet analogy of Ethereum's a giant spreadsheet everyone's working off. Um, and it's doing all the computations. So if you're looking up D4 to F7 and doing some multiplication to J2 and then something down below, um, it's doing all of that, right? Yeah. And everyone's sort of downloading that and verifying it and putting it back up. And it's quite intensive, let's call it. And they are changing these things. So by the time someone's listening to this, this might not be. <laughs> sure. Um, layer two is basically, instead of doing all the computations like that, they take snapshots of what's actually happened and then send that um, back to layer one. So they don't have um, all the computational, let's say data going back and forth. They can move it a lot faster. Um, and there's a number of layer twos around there. But the key thing is they need to be what's called um, EVM compatible, which is like Ethereum virtual machine compatible. So they're all using the same sort of, it's called coding language or um, data infrastructure that sort of makes it all comparable. Okay. Um, and you can move stuff between layer one and layer twos. So can be quite complicated, but the key thing is just layer twos are generally faster and can be more user-friendly than layer ones. Okay. And so for you, a layer two is something that you guys built out. It's a proprietary uh, layer two. Is that right? Or am I misunderstanding? No, I uh, misunderstood. So the uh, layer twos are, are different companies. Um, so Polygon is the layer two we use today. Okay. Um, and Polygon is a very well-known company, very big company. They sort of built and support that blockchain. They have a bunch of different tools for developers to help them build and, and um, develop on the Polygon network. Okay. And that may include things like moving investments or tokens around. It may include on and off ramps of dollars. It can include all sorts of things, but it's completely separate to, to Honeybricks. Okay. And then you build on, on top of that, on top of Polygon. Is that what you're saying? That's right. Okay. Yeah. And so when somebody actually makes a, an investment with you, what do they, what are they holding? Are they holding up honey brick? Is that, so is that the idea? Membership interest. Okay. They're holding a membership interest in the LLC. Yeah. Um, well, I understand. Yeah. a token on a Okay. Okay. So that experience would be, yeah. Mr. Or Mrs. An investor comes to honey bricks. They verify their account. They find a high quality commercial real estate investment they want to invest in. They you know, invest $10,000 and they, they choose to custody those tokens with Honeybricks. So in the Honeybricks account, there'll be you know, $10,000 of, of real estate, which is actually yep. membership interest in the LLC. But they can verify that by looking at the blockchain, where if you go to the blockchain, there'll be a smart contract, which has all the record and, and history of, okay, this is what you actually purchased. This is where it went to. These are the distributions, all those sorts of things. Okay. So it is handling distributions today. Yeah. And so what does that, what does that look like? Like how do you accrue those? Is it in a USDC or is it in some other kind of token or is it just in cash dollars? Yeah. Like how does that work? So the underlying assets is, is real estate. So all the transactions are in US dollars. Okay. So the way that may look is yeah, there's an investment, a multifamily investment. Let's say there's some distribution. The distribution is US dollars, and that comes to the Honeybricks SPV entity. And then we distribute that out. Now, that can be one of two ways today, but there are more ways coming. That can be over USDC. So we basically take those US dollars, we put it onto, take those US dollars and create USDC dollars, which is basically, you know, blockchain US dollars. Yeah. And we send out those US dollars out to all those wallets that hold those, those tokens. Okay. Right. 
reason for that is uh, sort of like, you know, so crypto or, or blockchain native dollars, people, um, you know, it moves around a lot faster. It's a lot cheaper, all those sorts of things. Um, but adoption really isn't, really isn't where it needs to be for that to be massively successful. So the other way is wire transfers. So we can just send out a wire to individual uh, token holders not to receive their distributions. Okay. So tell me a little bit about who would who your best kind of sponsors are today. What kind of sponsors would who's a good fit if you're looking to do you're looking to bring a deal to Honeybricks? How would I, how would I know if I've what I've got is a good fit for it? Yeah. Um, on a sector level, uh, we've just focused on multifamily so far. Okay. Um, made that decision because our investors generally understand multifamily. They probably live in, in an apartment or a house. Yeah. You know, it's not office or industrial or anything like that. We do plan to add those sectors in future, but for this first sort of filter. Um, the second filter is uh, probably around a strategy. So I mentioned, you know, core, core plus, value add. Um, development. We have focused on, on core plus and value add historically, but that's probably expanding. Um, generally, what gets investors on the Honeybricks platform excited is higher returns. Yeah. So if there's a core plus investment with an 8% return, it might not um, it might not find that much investment. Maybe it may, but, but we haven't seen that uh, to date. So the sector, there's a strategy. Then as far as um, probably the sponsor type. So a key thing we're focused on in the marketplace is quality. As I mentioned okay. earlier, a select handful of actual investors make it to the platform. So, because of that, the track record is really important for us. You know, we haven't, we haven't, and we don't plan to work with any first-time sponsors for the time being, because ultimately, it's it's their reputation and our reputation on, on this platform. So, sure. we really need to have a, a track record and experience in in the market and the strategy and what they're seeking to do. Um, the three, the three key filters as far as their investor base. So, we do do two things. One, we can help them manage and bring tokenization to their existing syndications, right? So they may be managing hundred investors in a spreadsheet or some investor relations platform, and they want to provide liquidity and other benefits to that investor base. Mm -hmm. That'd be a good fit for us. But the second one is they're looking to access more capital. So, you know, let's say they've done a few offers and their existing lead bases, sorry, listing investor bases tapped out, but they want to pursue some acquisition or recap they've found. They can come and work with us at Honeybricks will basically help them, you know, uh, tokenize that, that interest, um, distribute it, market it, those sorts of things and get you know, investors into that investment. Okay. So in terms of how Honeybricks earns uh, money, where does your, does your revenue come from the sponsor side? Are they paying to access your technology and your investor base? Is that the idea? That's right. We make, money on, on two sides. So we make money on sponsors for using our technology platform to, to tokenize and market their, uh, their syndications. And the second way is we charge a 1% um, management fee for our investors. Uh, sorry, investors on the platform to actually have access to the tokenization services and secondary market, those sorts of things. Okay. And that's all sort of managed in your more tr traditional sense. So it sounds like the, the main, the main difference here is the, liquidity that you're providing through uh, through the tokenization. So if you're looking, and stop me wherever I'm wrong, but if you're looking to in, invest in real estate, but you're not sure you wanna be locked up for years at a time, then 
that's where tokenization kind of comes in and, and saves the day for you. Is that right? Did I get that right? Yeah. Um, save the day might, might be a, a strong language, but, but yes, it provides that added benefit. Yeah. Um, and the key thing about why that is, is the use of blockchains really around this concept of smart contracts, which is it's taking what's in you know, that subscription agreement, that operating agreement, you know, all the compliance and regulations, and just putting it in code, which can yeah. do all of that for you. Um, it is early, as you said, Brett, but when you think about you know, three, five, seven years ahead, many people believe, and Honeybricks also believes, that a lot of these assets will all be coming tokenized because it provides a much better, much more seamless way of doing things um, and putting all that stuff in code that can execute transparently and efficiently without the involvement of you know, filing cabinets, folders, all those sorts of things, trying to figure out um, how it all works. Yeah. So you and I are talking here today at um, at a pretty low point for the for crypto in general, right? We've had a number of like pretty prominent uh, failures, um, you know, FTX. I have to say, and then also you know like Voyager and Celsius, and now it looks like BlockFi, mm -hmm. and they're talking about maybe Genesis, and so like a lot of big names are just yeah. you know completely crumbling and um they're they were over leveraged and um in some cases you know fraud and and uh and so i think that there's this perception out there that you know it's that that's what crypto is so tell me a little bit about mm -hmm. why is why are you uh different or how is how is Honeybricks protecting their investors from this sort of like, uh, you know, crypto calamity that's going on, or does that, any of that even matter for Honeybricks? Oh, it definitely matters. Um, and it's been a tough year for 2022 all, yeah. all around. And yeah, I was speaking here in, in late November, um, FTX sort of collapsed it a couple of weeks ago. I think the, the BlockFi bankruptcy news came out, came out this morning. Right. Uh, there's no right way around it. Like it sucks. And yeah. you know, a lot of people in the community are, are hurting, you know, millions of thousands, millions, tens of thousands. I'm sure I've lost like, their money. Like it's not good out there. Um, and the principal, the principal damage is around trust. I think that a lot of people get, expect a lot of people and institutions will be burnt by this and give up um, maybe forever, you know, maybe for a while. So it is terrible. So uh, no way around that. As far as Honeybrick specifically, so we have focused on the crypto community and historically, because generally they understand blockchain and how it works. And people can sometimes confuse them. What's blockchain? What's crypto? What's Web3? What's DeFi? They can all get bucketed. And events like FTX and um, others hurt all of that, you know, hurts yeah. everyone in, in the community. Now, at Honeybricks, we're focused on online technology. So um, we use blockchain um, Yes, that there are tokens, but ultimately what we're talking about is uh, real real estate, you know, commercial real estate, which is just being tokenized, which means it's just uh, going onto the blockchain. Um, and whether Bitcoin is 15,000 or 100,000, it doesn't actually affect the price of, of commercial real estate or our underlying operations. Um, same with Ethereum. You know, it just doesn't, doesn't affect commercial real estate in that sense, but it does affect the community and adoption of those sorts of tools, which I think is the biggest the biggest pain at the moment because you know, it sets the industry back in months, quarters, years, who knows? Right. Ultimately, if we look at a long enough time frame, you know, blockchain is very powerful technology. So I think it will be 
continue to be applied for different avenues. And that's ultimately the, you know, what we're focused on. It's how do we use this technology to provide better outcomes for investors and commercial real estate operators. Right. So the risk level in this really is tied to the risk of investing in real estate. It doesn't, it's not tied to blockchain. Is that a fair statement? I'd say it's, uh, it's not tied to, we have the blockchain and we have the crypto. Um, if blockchain ceased to exist as a technology, um, yeah, what we're doing at Honeybricks would be less important because where you are using blockchain. Yeah. But if if Bitcoin ceased to exist, it wouldn't affect us. If Ethereum went to a dollar, it wouldn't affect us. We are talking about you know, commercial real estate and the use of blockchain around you know, uh, making the asset, asset class more efficient and transparent. Yeah. Yeah. So in the end, for an investor, the risks to consider are much there. They should be thinking about the individual investment in the real estate that they're making, not necessarily, not necessarily like, you know, crypto or, or blockchain as a whole. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah. yeah, underlying products we're working with is commercial real estate. Um, yeah. I think if not 100%, 99.999% of the outcomes will be tied to the performance of, of commercial real estate. Okay. Uh, so there's a few other questions I like to go through here just to make sure we get a full picture, but it sounds like as a platform, normally I'd ask you about target returns, but we've got a number of different sponsors on there. I guess let's just ask like, what kind of target returns are you seeing that are, uh, are you seeing that, you know, folks are, 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 uh, making available on your platform? Mm-hmm. Well, it is changing rapidly. Um, what we said the last let's call it three, three months in commercial real estate and what the next three months in commercial real estate looks like. It's hard to say. I think there's a big bid ask spread in market. You know, yeah. Debt packages rapidly change the commercial real estate, which means yeah. Yeah, yeah, ultimately how the numbers pencil on commercial real estate projects is changing. Yep. Um, so I don't know what the future will look like, um, but when you have the you know, treasuries at four, um, you'd expect that there needs to be a higher, you know, equity risk premium on a lot of this stuff to make it attractive. Yep. What we have seen historically has been, and we focused on um, internal rates of return, but anywhere from, from 12 to 18 has okay. been our sweet spot. Uh, we are seeing you know, development opportunities at 20 to 25. We are seeing you know, core plus deals with you know, 7% cash on cash return. So it's very broad. Um, and it was yeah, sort of changing rapidly at the moment, given where we are. Okay. So it sounds like any, whatever your structure is, if you're a sponsor, it, it sounds like your platform allows them to, to do whatever it is. It doesn't, it, if it's, um, if it's like a, a forced appreciation play or they get what, whatever it is, the, it, the tokenization of it isn't, uh, isn't a, a factor in it. I'm not sure if I'm making uh, yeah, sense there. I think but, that's right. Um, and there's certain investments or strategies where it would make the most sense. For example, if we're looking at a 10 year hold period, um, maybe a lot of investors will really value liquidity at year two, year three. And yeah. that might be a no brainer to tokenize it, which is, you know, we're going to do something the asset, we'll stabilize it. Um, and, you know, yes, three to 10, uh, you know, there's not going to be a lot of activity. That might make a lot of sense to tokenize because those investors can then uh, use that secondary market and they can reinvest in more of your opportunities or, or investments as part of that. Doing a 
18 month refurb, uh, yeah. it might not make a ton of sense because right. the investors are only in there for 18 months. Yeah. Yeah, maybe there's a lack of demand for liquidity. Now with interest rates moving where they are, I think we're seeing a lot of people, a lot of uh, sponsors start thinking, well, we might need to hold this asset for longer, um, given you know market cycles and interest rates and those sorts of things. So that's why it might make more sense you know, in this climate and where we're going. Okay. And so for the whole period, it sounds like it sounds like it varies from asset to asset. Do, would you ever would an investor ever come in and 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 buy uh, become a member or you know buy shares and then there's no liquidity there for them if they want to exit? I guess what I'm trying to get to is if the problem that we're solving with tokenization is to add liquidity to these kinds of investments. Um, have you seen so far, well, I guess you're really just getting started, but I wanted to ask, have you seen so far that that liquidity is there, in fact, for uh, for investors? Yeah. Well, there's two factors that, that drive liquidity. One is well, supply and demand, right, is, yeah. is the first one, which is uh, liquidity exists, other people want, want to invest in it. I mean, there's another, a number of platforms that have been successful doing this. Generally, it's around, well, how do you determine the value and how do you determine what discount or premium for that value? Um, and also how to use technology to make that a seamless, efficient, you know, without spinning up a syndication attorneys to actually go through all the paperwork and, and, and make sure it's uh, legal. Um, so that's the point of my piece. The second one is around hold periods. So when you're dealing with different securities, we've got different requirements around how long these things need to be held before they're eligible for... Um, transfer or resale, um, and secondly, to who? Like, for example, if you're purchasing a security under a Regulation D framework, generally you're locked up for 12 months before a public resale under uh, Rule 144. Whereas that same security might be available for transfer up to six months within the existing investor base. So, it's sort of windows around how this sort of works, and I think everyone's still, still navigating that and figuring out how we can all uh, put these pieces together. So you, you're right, we are early, um, but there's a lot of other, uh, you know, great players in the market that have been doing this for a, for a couple of years now. Okay. Well, cool. So if somebody wants to learn more about this and how you work, um, where should they go to do that? Yeah, it's all at honeybricks.com. Um, so we have obviously two value props. We have one around investors looking to be part of tokenized real estate, and we have sponsors or GPs looking to raise and manage capital in a new way, but everything's at honeybricks.com. Okay. Well, I'm fully bought in on blockchain uh, for the future. I personally, I think that uh, a lot of what we do just in our normal traditional finance is going to move that way probably much, much faster than anybody thinks, whether it's, you know, credit cards or international payments or investing in real estate or, you know, whether that's debt or equity, I, I, I think that we're moving that way um, no matter what's happening with the price of Bitcoin and Ethereum and everything else. So I think you're at like a really exciting uh, point right now. It's a drag that we <laughs> you have to be launching this into, uh, into the, um, you know, the investment environment that we have uh, today. But I think that if you're looking to invest in real estate in this environment, then a, 
it makes sense to look at tokenization, if not for any other reason than for the liquidity um, potential, you know, as we as we get deeper, you know, a little bit further down the road. So um, I appreciate you coming on here. Is there anything else you want to leave folks with before we go? No, that's it. Uh, learn more about honeybricks.com and greatly appreciate you uh, having me on, Brett. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming on.